Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Amen. Come with me in your Bibles, John chapter 17. I've got a really, really great word. My wife told me that this was the last week of our freedom series. How many people have been enjoying it? Who's got some freedom? Who, who got some freedom at the Mike Connell night? Mike Connell moment. My gosh, how powerful. And then J. John on Wednesday night, shut the gate. Are you kidding me? Incredible. Incredible. And you know, I've told J. John many, many years ago that... In fact, even before I started a church, I told J. John that he would always have a pulpit or a platform to preach because I'm forever grateful because he got my Leanne saved. He got her saved when she was just, I think, 12 or 13. She got saved under J. John's ministry. So I'm very, very grateful uh, for him. So that's why, you know, he, we get him through and he is just one of the greatest evangelists in the world. Makes the gospel so simple and easy to understand. Amen. Amen. Well, today I've got a powerful message. Why don't you come with me? John 17. John 17, this is Jesus's uh, prayer to the Father. It, what's about to happen after this is the, you know, the betrayal, the Last Supper, crucifixion, you know, death, resurrection, all of that is about to take place. This is his final kind of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to, to God, and, and he says something very, very profound in verse 16. John 17, 16 says, Jesus speaking, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. When he's saying they, he's praying for you. In this prayer, he's praying for his disciples that he presently has and those who are to come, which is you and I. And then he prays this. He says, Father, I want you to keep them. I'm asking you to keep them. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. So I just want you to understand right there, the Bible makes it very, very clear that there is a spirit of this world. There is a spirit of this world. The spirit of this world has worldly values. It has worldly paradigms. It has worldly mindsets. It has worldly philosophies. It has worldly ideologies. I need you to understand the Bible says that, that you are not to be of the spirit of the world. If the way that you think is identical to the way that people who are unchurched think, something's broken in you. You are missing it. You are missing it. Now, let me also say this. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. He wants you to believe that because you believe something different, the world has all the fun, the world has all the gold and the glitter and the good and the great, and you as a Christian just kind of have to eke your way through life and have this kind of miserable, morbid, bland, beige existence. What I'm about to show you today is going to change all of that. So, so they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your... Come on, somebody, by your, your word is, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Today, I want to preach a message called, When Truth and Facts Collide. When Truth and Facts Collide. 
Some of you may have been aware that over the last kind of five, six years or so, maybe a little longer, uh, we've, been, we've been inundated with what they call fact checkers. Fact checkers. You know, some people I know lost their Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts because they kept violating and upsetting the fact checkers. They kept violating the fact checkers on on their post, they would put a post up, and then all of a sudden there'd, there'd be this notice that would come up on the post saying, no, this has been fact-checked and it's false. Fact-checked and it's false. And so some of the, the fact-checkers that they said these things were false, no apology has followed, were found out to be true. Like when, when, when this particular person I know posted about the origin of the, the, the COVID virus came from a lab in Wuhan and it was fact-checked as false. Well, now we know it's actually true. We, we, we know it's true. When, 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 when they, they fact-check that hydroxychloroquine uh, is ineffective against COVID and that everyone needs to go and get vaccinated, that the vaccines are going to help you and hydroxychloroquine isn't, now we know that the fact-checks are, the, 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 right now in Australia, over 95% of the people who have died or have contracted COVID were amongst the vaccinated. Amongst the vaccinated and hydroxychloroquine, everybody that took hydroxychloroquine were, were able to defeat COVID uh, within sometimes within 24 hours in their body. So it was another fact check. The other fact check that they came up with was that uh, ivermectin is ineffective and it's a horse worming tablet. And even though it can be used to worm horses, it has been proven for over 50 years to be absolutely uh, effective against malaria. In fact, the, the places around the world that had the lowest COVID infections were amongst the people that had were taking ivermectin Ivermectin for malaria because of its defeat. So another fact check that the fact checkers brought in was proven false. Another fact check that was proven false that the fact checkers had was Hunter Biden's laptop, that it was Russia's disinformation. But we know now it wasn't Russian disinformation. It was indeed Hunter's laptop. And uh, then we, you know, you probably were aware of uh, Facebook being taken to court because they had their fact checkers uh, fact check a particular doctor who said that um, he saw just in his practice alone the people that had taken the, the shots and the booster for COVID uh, had developed myocarditis and had and so he was so he then decided to sue Facebook and then Facebook came clean and said well actually th these fact checkers aren't really kind of fact checkers they're not really they're they're just opinion givers and they're just giving their opinion because they knew that you can't sue someone for giving their opinion but you and I were, were, were like vilified and put down because of a violation of the facts now I say all of that to say what's the obsession with fact checking and I felt the Holy Spirit say that that whenever you see a rise in the world of fact checkers it has nothing to do really with, with a truth. In fact, the fact checkers, the reason they're, they're all obsessed with facts is because of their rejection of the truth. May I just say to you that as Christians, we're meant to be truth checkers. If I was to say nothing else today, put the microphone down and go and sit down, the greatest commission I could give you today 
The greatest exhortation is in this life, be a truth checker. Jesus says, my word is truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, God is the God of truth. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who will lead you into all truth. Jesus says, the devil is a liar. He says, but you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The devil knows that where his lies prevail, bondage, devastation, destruction follow. Jesus knows that where his truth prevails, freedom, liberty, breakthrough, healings follow. The war in this world is a war for the truth. But we saw a rise of the fact checkers because the fact checkers are anti-truth. They are anti-truth. They don't want you to believe the truth. They want you to believe the propaganda. So, so let me just kind of break it down for us today, because uh, a lot of people get confused. They're like, well, hang on a minute, Pastor. I thought that the facts and the truth are uh, hand in hand. I thought they, they, they go together. Well, not always. Not always. Not always. In fact, let me give you point number one. Point number one is that facts always bow to truth. Facts always bow to truth. Uh, Jesus' first miracle, Jesus' very, very first miracle was he turned water into wine. He turned water into wine. The Bible says his mama came to him and said, you know, they've run out of wine. He says, woman, my time has not yet come. And she said, well, you're going to call me woman in front of all your friends? Is that how this is going down? All right. Yeah, he's starting today. You're starting to, you're, you're man enough to call me woman, then you're starting your miracles today. And so... <laughs> It was Jesus' own fault. So, so Jesus like, all right, all right, fair enough. I, uh, you got me. He says, all right, go, go, go to the, go. there are six wash pots. Fill them to the brim with water and then take some out and go and give it to the head sommelier. Go and take it to the master of the feast. And they're like, you're kidding, right? He's like, I'm not kidding. So they get, they get water from a wash pot and they walk over to the master of the feast because I've run out of wine. And the Bible says he... <laughs> wow. He says, normally at weddings, they bring out the good wine in the beginning, and then once everyone's drunk a little, they bring out the inferior cheap stuff. He says, but not you. And he's looking right at the, 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 the groom who was responsible, who didn't order enough wine, and the groom's like, what? He goes, not you. You've saved the very best for last. We've got six giant vessels full of the best wine I've ever tasted. So if you were to take the water and put it under a microscope, a scientist would say this liquid substance has two hydrogen molecules, one oxygen molecule. It is water. H2O, it is water. Somewhere in between them taking the water from the wash pot and the sipping of the sommelier, the water turned into wine. The fact was it was water. The fact was it was H2O. They were the facts. But when the facts came into a collision with the truth, I need you to understand the truth always prevails over the facts. The facts bow their knee to the truth. What I want to preach to you today is, is a message on the Freedom Series because I need you to understand that, that there was a Christianity when I got saved, Jordan, when I got saved, it was almost kind of like, you know, gosh, I really hope that God, you know, knock on wood, you know, little rabbit's foot. Come on, if that little rabbit's foot didn't help the rabbit, how's it going to help you? 
poor little three-legged bunny running around going, where's my foot? And it's helping others. It didn't help me. You know, anyway, so it was kind of like, you know, you had, to, you had to pray and hope that bad things didn't happen and just maybe, you know, with the lottery of life. I want you to know that the devil doesn't want you to know what I'm about to let you know that God wants you to know. And that is that, that when facts collide with truth, truth always comes out on top. And I need you to understand the truth is in the Word of God. He says, sanctify them by your Word. Your Word is truth. I need you to understand today that when truth and facts collide, the truth always prevails. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross over to the other side. They get into a boat and as they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee, a giant windstorm arose, so the waves began to beat in the boat. This is Mark 4, 35 to, to 41. Waves began to beat in the boat, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. He's asleep in the middle of a storm. The disciples who are men of the sea, they're experienced. They know that this is a pretty bad storm. You can't be going to sleep, Jesus. This is a crazy, and the boat is filling with water. And so they panic and they wake Jesus up and they say to him, teacher, do you not care? We're perishing here. And I love it. Jesus arose and he spoke and he said to the wind and he said to the waves, peace, be still. Now watch this. When the disciples woke him, they were hoping that he would help them displace the water coming into the boat, out of the boat, that they would live under the storm. They were wanting Jesus to help them underneath the storm. You've heard people say, well, you know, they're a little under the weather. Well, you know, pastor, under their circumstances. I need you to understand you don't, you don't have to live under the weather. You don't have to live under the circumstances. Jesus intentionally went to sleep. Jesus didn't do this by accident. He intentionally, knowing the storm was coming, he intentionally went to sleep. He wanted the disciples to, to get exasperated. He wanted them to go fearful and panicking and crazy. And so they woke him up. He was doing this. He was modeling this. This story is in the Bible to tell you and I that you may not realize it in the storms and in the fray and in the crazy and in the tempest and in the millstrom and in the divorce proceedings and in the foreclosures, in the loss of a home, in the upside down, the economy in whatever is going on, whatever storm is hitting in your life, Jesus wants you to know that there's something that is dormant, that the truth is asleep. It's there with you. The truth is right. The truth is the word of Jesus is the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him, for him, through him. Nothing was made that wasn't made with the word of God. Jesus, the word is right there, but have you awoken the word? The reason we're called awaken is because when we want to awaken a people to the power that is in the Word of God so that you can awaken the Word of God. And the Word of God is greater than the storms of life. It is greater than the circumstances of life. The facts was there was a storm. The facts was there was wind and waves. The facts was the boat was taking water. The fact was that they were in danger of sinking. That was the facts. But Jesus went to sleep because he's trying to teach him if you will just awaken and engage truth. When you bring truth in into the equation every time what you do is you take the facts come here fact fact well, I'm going to introduce you where are we going Whopper? we're going to introduce I'm introducing you to tr truth this is facts facts truth and fact does this when fact encounters truth it bows its knees straight away it always does because it recognizes its master Jesus is true truth will prevail in the end 
truth will always overcome. Truth will always rise to the surface. God is truth. And we've read the back of the book, God prevails. The greatest thing you and I can do is bring facts to truth. Can somebody say amen? amen. Second thing about the truth is that facts are temporal, truth is eternal. Facts are temporal, truth is eternal. In, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says that just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, from sin came death. Death came through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So sin came, through sin came death, and because all sinned, all died. They'll say one of the facts of life is death. One of the facts of life is death. Huh. So what does God do with this dilemma that there's sin in the world and there's death? God comes down, hangs on a cross to not only atone for your sin. He actually also took on death. He took on death. Because death was a fact. And so Jesus says, you know, I, I don't really like this fact. So I'm going to introduce this fact to moi, to truth. So Jesus died on a Friday, Good Friday, and then he rose again on the Sunday because he said, yeah, being there, done there, it's overrated. It's, it's, it's not what they, they made it out to be. And he rose again on the third day, conquering death, conquering hell. So not only has he atoned for your sin and my sin, but he tore a hole in death so that now death no longer has any sting. Death no longer has any power. That all who receive Jesus Christ have everlasting life that death is simply a veil that you and I pass through it's a door that you and I pass through into everlasting life where there is no more death where there is no more sin where there is no more tears where there is no more sickness where there is no more disease truth and facts collided and truth prevailed I want you to know that facts are temporal truth is eternal when we moved to San Diego they told us they told us what we couldn't do they told us here are the facts the facts is Pastor, San Diego's a preacher's graveyard. Pastor, you, there's no zoning for churches in San Diego. Pastors, and even if you were able to, to, to find a building that was zoned for you to have church, there's already a, a lineup of churches waiting to get a, a, a building because you need a 501c3 and, and it's got to have a certain you know, zoning that's already there and there's already churches lined up. And, and so they were trying to tell us. They were trying to tell us what we couldn't do. And so I said, well, that's the facts. I didn't come here to live under the weather. I didn't come here to live under the facts. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to bring the word, and I'm going to introduce the word. I'm going to introduce the truth to the facts. Facts meet truth. The truth is, God said that every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I'm giving you. God said that I will give you whatever you believe me for. Ask anything in my name, says Jesus. And if you believe what you ask for, you shall receive. So it doesn't matter. Well, you don't understand the economy. I don't care. Well, you don't understand what the doctor said. I don't care. Well, you don't understand what the economist said. I don't care. You don't understand what other pastors are saying. I don't give a rat's. It doesn't matter what they say. All I care about is what the Word of God says. Why would I listen? Why would I come into alignment and agreement with the facts when I can conquer the facts with the truth? Facts meet truth. Whatever you're walking through today, can I just tell you, don't live under it. Introduce the facts to the truth. 
our first home. I remember our first home, we were living in New Zealand and we earned pittance. And I sat down with, with bank managers and even the associate pastor tried to get this, this silly notion out of my head that, that God could give us a home. We had this prophetic word, God was going to supply us with a home. And so we took that prophetic word, that, that was God speaking, that's our And so he, we sat down with all the bank and one bank, one bank said, all right, we'll give you a mortgage up to $40,000. And I had to say, well, actually, I don't want a car, I want a house. <laughs> the facts look bleak. The facts said it's impossible. The facts said it can't be done. The facts, the experts told me this is the facts. We have fact-checked the facts, and the facts are fact. <laughs> now, quit messing with the facts. And, but I didn't like the facts. I had my, my beautiful Jordan, my, my firstborn, on, on the way. Leanne was pregnant, and I had a word from heaven. And I thought, if God has spoken, surely God prevails over the facts. Surely God is greater than the facts. So then, then I began to see, I began to see that, that Jesus walked on water. Water is a liquid. A human being can't stand on a liquid. He can stand on a solid if when, the, when the water becomes ice and becomes a solid, you can walk on it. But you can't walk on a liquid, just a fact. So Jesus, the Bible says, came to them walking, trying to think, how does a Messiah walk? I'm, I don't know. Him, I don't know. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say that he, maybe Michael Jackson copied from, I don't know. Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And we've had all these, you know, theologians over the years, you know, why would the Messiah, what was it, it's so profound, and what was he trying to communicate with, like, philosophically, I like the ideology of why, you know, was a... he was walking on the water to show that, hey, guys, guys, look, when there's facts, you don't have to live in, you don't have to swim in, the facts don't have to overwhelm you. Truth always walks on top of fact. Truth unleashes, and Peter, when he, when, because the disciples thought it was a ghost, and they're like, it's a, it's like, it's not a ghost, it's I. And they're like, and then Simon Peter goes, well, if it is, if it's really, you command me to come, because he got a clue, command me to come. Jesus sends a word, come. Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on water until his brain catches up and says, humans can't walk on water. And then he starts sinking. And Jesus grabs him and says, why did you doubt? Pulls him up and the two of them walk back and they get back into the boat. I want you to understand that the most powerful people on planet earth are born again, spirit-filled, Bible-reading, Bible-loving, Bible-applying Christians. The Word of God, what the devil doesn't want you to know is you don't have to live according to the facts. You can live according to the truth. Truth and facts, when they collide, truth always prevails. The greatest thing you can do is introduce truth into the equation, and truth will triumph. They told us we couldn't get a home. We got a home. They told us we could everything they've told us we couldn't do I've just said okay well let's just see what the truth says I know what the facts say let's introduce truth oh where'd you go little fact facts where are you 
Oh, you changed? Oh, you changed now? Oh, yeah, now the truth comes in. All of a sudden, you're schmoozing up to... They told us we, we wouldn't have one campus, and they were right. We got 13. We got 13 buildings, I should say, 13 properties. 13 properties around San Diego, and we haven't finished yet. You know, our, our vision really is, is, you know, that nobody in San Diego should live more than 15 minutes from a life-giving center. And if you think it's just about buildings, each building is ground that we've taken from the devil. We're poking a hole into his black canvas where God's light can shine through. Every single building is an altar that sends up a bonfire of praise. It sends up a bonfire of worship. The devil has an agenda for San Diego, and it's not good. He, he, is, the, he is the author of destruction. He's the author of wickedness and corruption. And so our job is we understand the church. We, we, we are... We are we we are the last, we are the firewall, we are between heaven and hell, between the living and the dead, between the perishing and the people who are saved, and we understand our assignment, so I'm going to make it so darn hard for the devil, you know, not on my watch, he's not taking, I want him to quit, I want him to quit and say, well, we just can't, San Diego is going to be a revival epicenter, because you can't drive 15 minutes in any direction without there being a house of worship, a house of praise, and a house of faith, a house where they empower people with with the truth. Can somebody say amen? amen. Jesus is, is on his way because Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, comes to him and he says, you know, my daughter, she's 12 years of age. She lies at death's door. Please, would you come and heal her? And Jesus says, I'll come. On the way, a woman with an issue of blood, also for 12 years, grabs the hem of his garment and Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? Everybody. He says, no, no, I'm not saying who throng, who's thronging. Somebody touched me. I felt power. I felt power. Jesus is truth and truth has power. I need you to understand that. And when she grabbed a hold of truth, power went into her body. She said within herself, if only I may touch him, if I can just touch the truth, if I can just connect to the truth, if I can just engage, if I can just bring the truth into the facts. For, for 12 years, I've spent everything I have. I, I'm anemic. I'm bleeding. I can't stop bleeding. But if I just touch the power goes and Jesus' daughter, your faith has made you whole. No sooner does he turn around and somebody comes from the synagogue ruler's house and says, hey, why trouble the teacher any further? No point. Your daughter just died. She expired. Jesus turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. The facts is she died. The fact is her heart stopped beating. The fact is she breathed her last breath. The fact is she, she He's passed away. That's the facts. But Jesus is the truth. And he says, listen, don't let the facts put fear in your heart. Let the truth put faith in your heart. Only believe and you will see. Only believe and you will see. Jesus comes to Lazarus. Lazarus was dead for four days. Four days he was dead. When, when he turns up, Martha says, Lord, if only you would have been here, my brother would have lived. And he's like, Martha, your brother will rise again. She goes, I know, I know. In the resurrection at the last day. He's like, darling, I am the resurrection. I am the life. It's, it's whenever I say. And then the Bible says that the Pharisees looked at Jesus and they chimed in with Martha. They said, wow, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have prevented this man from dying? Jesus is looking around and he's probably thinking, who, who voted and made me the preventionist? So many people want God to be the preventionist that he's the preventionist God, that, you know, God's job, if he's doing his job properly, which most days obviously he's not, is to prevent bad things from happening, to prevent Hamas from Israel, to prevent, 
God is not a preventionist. He's a resurrectionist. God has given you and I free will. Because of free will, evil men can do evil things. Stupid men can do stupid things. Sometimes there's a very fine line between them. Sinful men will do sinful things. Bad things happen even to good people. However, you don't have to live under the facts. Jesus is a resurrection God. And he turns and he said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see? If you would believe, you would see. What we want to do is we want you to understand that no matter what the facts are, the facts may be you come from four generations of welfare. You may come from cycles of poverty. You may come from cycles of divorce and dysfunction and brokenness. We don't put a pathfinder conference on just because we're like, hey, we've got another weekend we need to fill. Um, why don't we do, we, we, we put pathfinders on because we want to take this truth. We want to take the truths from the word of God and release it into you so that you capture truths. So it'll unlock destiny. It'll unlock your influence. It'll unlock your, the power of God on your life in the marketplace. So Jesus says, Lazarus come forth. And they said, no, no, he's been dead four days. Don't roll away the stone. There's a stench. He said, did I not say to you roll away when they rolled away the stone instead of a stench coming out instead of a stench coming out instead of a decomposing stench coming out instead he who was dead came out bound hand and foot he came out and he was uh, and so the whole place lost their freaking minds because truth and fact had an encounter together and truth prevailed I don't know who I'm speaking to today but I want you to understand you don't have to live under the circumstances and facts aren't final truth is final somebody say amen. amen so Jesus comes to the home he comes to the home of the little girl and the Bible says there were people who were weeping and wailing and causing a commotion and Jesus says why do you weep and wail and make this commotion the little girl is not dead but sleeping and the Bible says they ridiculed him and mocked him with scorn may I just say to you when it comes to truth the Bible says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth and do not sell it. It doesn't say attain the truth. It doesn't say get the truth. It doesn't say just believe the truth. It says buy the truth. Truth has a price tag. Truth has a price tag. There's a saying, and it's worth repeating, that truth is seen as hate to those who hate the truth. When you hear people piping off about hate speech, hate speech, like we have a woman elected to the Supreme Court. She's meant to, she's meant to discern. She's meant to judge facts. And one of the questions was, uh, can you identify what a woman is? And she says, no, because I'm not a biologist. I'm like, dear God, you sit in the highest court in the land. There are one-year-olds that can tell you what a woman is. That statement, the people on that side will say, oh, that's hate speech. It's not hate speech, darling. It's just truth speech. And those who hate the truth see truth as hate speech. You will be persecuted, Jesus said, for my namesake. However, I will put up with the persecution. That's why it says buy the truth. It's going to cost you something. Do not sell it. Don't, don't sell it. Don't say, well, I just want peace. So many people did. You know, 2020, well, you know, uh, the truth is, we're just going to give up the truth. We're just going to back off from the truth. They backed off from truth and they backed off from 
from power. In 2020, the reason I didn't back up from truth is because I knew people were coming in with life-threatening illnesses. People were coming into our, our buildings and they needed God to do something that required His power. If you move away from truth, you move away from power. His power is in His truth. Why do you think the, the Jesus taught the parable of the sower and the very, very first seed, which is the Word of God, which is the truth of God that falls by the wayside, are the people who hear it but they don't understand it. And the Bible says, Jesus speaking, that Satan comes immediately and snatches the seed which was sown. Well, why, why bother snatching it? They didn't understand it anyway because Jesus knows and the devil knows that if he leaves that seed there, that seed has power in it. That seed has life-transforming power in it. If I plant a tomato seed, I'm going to get tomatoes. If I plant an orange seed, I get oranges. If I plant an apple seed, I get apples. If I place a kingdom seed, if I place God's Word, God's Word is a seed. It produces God's kingdom. The devil doesn't want God's kingdom being produced. Why? Because there are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of the devil. And when God's kingdom increases, the devil's kingdom by default has to decrease. He doesn't want his kingdom to decrease. But we're not here to please the devil. We're here to please God. That's why we want to equip you with the Word of God so you can take it wherever facts have come against the Word of God and say, fact, let me introduce you to truth. Let me introduce you to truth, and truth will always prevail over fact. Can somebody say amen? So Jesus says to the little girl, Talitha Kumai, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the very people that said, well, the doctors have said, and the fact checkers, and we need to take down Jesus' Facebook, and, and you know, eh, on, eh, on his Instagram post, the little girl's not dead, but sleeping, eh, fact check false, the little girl's dead, this is when she died, here's her death certificate, eh. Jesus, Jesus walks out with a little girl, alive, and hands it to the mum and papa and says, take it to McDonald's, go and get her something to eat. <laughs> Facts, she was dead. Truth, she's alive. Do you know in the Bible, twice in the book of Acts, they were called Christians. We were called Christians. Neither was positive. Both were derogatory. All the way through the New Testament, you and I are called believers. You and I call believers. The reason the devil doesn't want the word in our schools, doesn't want the word in our colleges, doesn't want the word in our halls of justice is because the word has power to produce God's kingdom. The great war in this world is around truth. The great war in this world is around the word of God. But can I just tell you, you're the most powerful people on the planet when you receive Jesus Christ, when you make him Lord and Savior of your life, when you bring the truth of God. And I'm telling you, in my life, I got saved on a beach. My name is Jurgen Matesius. When somebody told me that God had a destiny, I'm like, not for me. Look at my name. No one can even spell it. <laughs> like, are you see? And, and, and against all odds, God just said, just keep taking my word and introducing my word into the equation. Introduce my word into the equation. Introduce my word. Number three, truth triumphs when released. Truth triumphs when released. I had a gentleman in, in Hotlanta, Georgia. I was finishing preaching and what, what's going to happen in just a moment, I'm going to pray for people. And this gentleman came down, beautiful African-American gentleman, he, he, very stoic, beautiful white hair, and, but frail on an aluminum walker. And his family were around him. And I said, how can I pray for you? And he says, I've got cancer. 
And so I thought, wow, okay, that's really serious. I need to pray. And as I went to, the, to pray, the Holy Spirit said, don't pray for him. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need to pray for him. The guy's like, this is serious. And as I went to pray for him, the Holy Spirit said, don't pray for him, I'm not a thief. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do you mean you're not a thief? He said, you heard what he said. He said, I've got cancer. He says, I'm not going to take, he says, the devil steals. The devil's a thief. He said, I didn't give him cancer. God doesn't have cancer to give it to people, just so you know. He says, I, I gave him healing. 1 Peter 2.24 says that by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. He says, I gave him healing. I'm not going to take the cancer if he says, I have it. So I had to say to him, sir, God gave you healing. You have a choice to make. I said, this is what I need you to say. The doctors have diagnosed me. This is not like, you know, about wishful thinking or pretending. You know, I can pretend I'm six foot four. I'm not going to be six foot four. This is not about, you know, fake it till you make it, blab it and grab it. This is this about alignment with the truth and breaking alignments and agreements with facts. The fact was the doctors had diagnosed him. The facts were the doctors had discovered cancer in his body. The fact was his body had cancer cells in it. The fact was the cancer was ravaging his body. They were the facts. My job is to be a minister of the truth. So I had to say to him, sir, the truth is Jesus Christ paid, as we heard from beautiful Pastor Tessa, paid for your healing. I want you to make a decision. You can leave today with either healing or with the cancer. You have to choose which one you have. And he starts crying. He says, I want the healing. I want the healing. I says, then I need you to begin to align yourself. The Bible says that with the heart one believes and with the mouth confession is made under salvation. I said, I'm, I'm glad your heart's believing, but now I need you to confess that I have healing. I have healing. And so I went down and prayed for other people. I came back to the man and I said, sir, what do you have? And he goes, I have, oh, he goes, I have healing. I have healing. I, I said, take my hand. He took my hand. I prayed for him. Power of God hit him. I wasn't expecting him to fall over. I didn't think it through, but he fell over on the ground. He's laying on the ground. The power of God is going up and down through his body. About six weeks later, I get a, a, a text message from the senior pastor. And he's like, you may, may not remember, but there was a beautiful African-American family that came forward. And there was a gentleman. He was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And you prayed for him. He said that he got up off the floor and he felt something shift in his body. Well, six weeks later, he is completely cancer-free. The cancer's not in his body. What happened? Facts, facts. Facts were real. We just introduced facts to the truth. We just introduced facts to the truth. Come on. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. A couple of years ago, we had a beautiful young lady, a mama of two, diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. The doctor says at the most months, more than likely weeks to live. The family said, would you pray for her? I said, I'd love to pray for her. Let me pray for her. And they said, well, actually, she lives in another state. And I'm like, oh, dear God, that's going to be hard. And then the Holy Spirit said, just do this. Go and, go and get one of the cherished shirts and get some oil and put the anointing oil on it and then pray over it. I mean, people go, are you serious? Like, are you ser you, you're, you're going to take a cherished shirt, put like oil on it and pray over it? Like, this is serious. The doctors, I know it's serious. I know it's serious. 
but I don't know what else to do other than take the facts which were bleak and introduce it to the truth. The truth is in Acts 19, it said that God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. For God to do unusual miracles, there should be usual miracles. Because <sighs> you can't have unusual unless it's usual. And God, and the person got healed. I'm on some coffee. Like there should be, you, you can't have unusual unless it, God, God did unusual miracles through the hands of Paul where handkerchiefs and apron were anointed with oil and prayed for and sent across the country. And all those who were sick and had diseases were healed and any who were demonized, the demons came out of them. So we prayed over this and sent it up there. And she, she said, as soon as she put it on, she felt heat hit her lungs. Heat hit her lungs. Throw the first picture up. The first picture up, this was, this was all the white that you see is all the tumors. All the white that you see is all the tumors in her lungs. She had less than 15% left of her lung capacity and the tumors were increasing. She was on oxygen and could barely breathe. She couldn't walk upstairs. She could barely stand up, barely sleep at night because she had so little. She puts the, the, the shirt, cherished shirt, anointed with oil, prayed for in the green room, prayed over. And then two weeks later, her husband comes home. Where is she? He's running through the house. She's not in the house. And then she comes running up the front steps. She'd gone for a jog. And he's like, you can't go for a jog. Where's your oxygen? And she goes, I just feel better. They go to the doctors. And then this is what the doctors find. <laughs> that all the, all the tumors disappear. Oh, you're one of those healing gurus. Like you must channel like the universe, you channel like nature, don't you? Channel the... Does that sound like J. John? <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> Jürgen. <laughs> Can I tell you, it's not me. It's his word. Don't ever think, oh, it's, you know, pastor. It's the word of God. Can I tell you, the word of God is as powerful in your mouth as it is in my mouth, as it is in Pastor John's mouth, as it is in God's mouth, because it's God's Word. He gave you His Word. Why? So you don't have to live under the weather. You don't have to live under the circumstances. And you don't have to let facts be the final thing. That you cannot be a fact checker. You can be a fact wrecker. You were created to wreck the facts with the truth. Come on, if you believe that, give God a great shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anybody here, you've got some negative facts, maybe some negative diagnoses in the area of your health. We just got a few minutes left. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just quickly raise your hand. Anybody. If you're around someone that's got their hand raised, would you put your, your hand on their back or put their hand on their shoulder? Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we release over each and every one of these bodies. We declare right now in the name of Jesus Christ that every cancer, every tumor, every sickness, the spirit of infirmity is broken off their lives. We declare by Jesus' stripes, they are healed. Now, those of you that raise your hands, this is what I want you to say. I want you to say, I have healing. I have healing. Come on, say it again. I have healing. Repeat after me. Say these words. Say, by your stripes, I was healed. By your stripes, I was healed. 
Now, I want you to do this. I want you to, to now, based on that, I want you to speak over your body. And I want you to say, all sickness, all disease, all infirmity, get out of my body in the name of Jesus. I release healing. I release the truth of God which says, by his stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. Go ahead and give the Lord a praise. I promise you this. I promise you this. Just that alignment is already releasing power. I can already feel power is going into your body. Healing is coming. The one last one I want to pray for is, is uh, right now they are intentionally, they are intentionally trying to cripple America with uh, crazy open borders they're trying to overwhelm the the system and they're trying to cripple the american dollar but it seems like everything they're doing is still failing uh, because god has his hand on america it doesn't mean that they're not trying but it's but i know that it's having some residual negative impacts on people's finances you know mortgage rates are at all-time high and maybe you're trying to get into a home or maybe you know your, your payments are gone up and you're just struggling i want you to know that that god is a provider that god is a provider and the facts may look bleak i want you to know you don't need to leave california you don't even need to leave san diego that god's arm is not shortened that it cannot save right here in san diego you can prosper here you can flourish here. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills as well as a thousand hills where the cattle are grazing. God opens doors no man can shut and he shuts doors no man can open. God is your provider. So if you need a breakthrough financially, if you need God to assist financially, I want you to lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, today I come into alignment with the truth, which is the Word of God. And the Bible says that you have caused me to prosper. The Bible says that I should remember you, for it is you that gives power to get wealth, that we may establish your covenants in the earth. Today I choose to prosper. I choose to access that power. I choose breakthrough. I break every agreement with a poverty mindset. Facts, let me introduce you to the truth. The truth says, every place the sole of my foot shall tread, God has given me. The truth says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now. <laughs>